this bolt of lightning shot across the universe and inspired me with the idea that we have to do a podcast. And that's what I wanted to tell you. We should do a podcast. Okay, bye. just get right into it so we're doing okay so um i mean obviously we're going to cut most of this out at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, absurdism video game edition yeah so yeah. let's just start with the beginning so uh welcome to feature creep colon built-in microwave semicolon absurdism video game edition great and we're going to um, talk about the absurd nature of video games and the great, weird, wonderful world that all of that entails. Um, I mean, so you can't really touch on this topic without talking about like the classics like, you know, Pac-Man mm-hmm. um, or, you know, Super Mario Brothers. Yep. Um, you know, uh, what's some other really like absurd ridiculous video games um, um i mean my favorite video game is psychonauts for yeah. for its absurdity and its psychedelic elements yeah so i definitely want you to talk at length about that um before we do that let's just cover the obvious stuff so um you know i think what we're really kind of referring to as far as absurdism is it's like uh you know pac-man is this iconic game that lots of people have played but it's uh it's it's interesting to me that it's like there's just the absurd nature of it. It's like, oh, this is something that tickles you and and enjoy. Like, this is a fun way to play in life mm-hmm. is to go walk up to this machine, stare at this screen, and move this yellow dot around, eating other dots, being chased by ghost-like icons. Right. And it's still, like, even now I love Pac-Man, even yeah. though we've come yeah. so so much farther than that. Right. Um, and I just think that that the nature of that is absurd. I mean, it's it's absurd to me that that just became so ridiculously popular. I mean, mm-hmm. in hindsight, it kind of makes sense. You're like, when you play it, you're like, well, yes, of course, it's it's popular. It's really fun. It's a it's an enjoyable thing. It's got a very social con. Like, at, for for essentially a single player game, there's a two player. You know, there's multiple yeah. player modes, but you don't play together at the same time. You take right. turns. It's a game that you take turns at. Um, it's incredibly uh, social. Like people enjoy it. Like I think people enjoy playing Pac-Man the most in the social context. Um, Interesting. I don't. I mean, there are plenty of people who um, do enjoy playing by themselves, and I, I, as do I. I've played it occasionally on myself, but I think that in a social context, it's fun because it it's that sort of competitive nature that you're like, oh, let me see if I can beat your score. Yeah. And oh, and it's enjoyable to watch other people play. Did um, you when you play Pac-Man? Do you chase after all of the bonus stuff like the pretzel and the strawberry? Yeah. So there's, um, I mean, there is a whole world of this that we really can't like. <laughs> but there is a there are strategies to maximize scores. Um, you know, I, you know, the way you play, but to maximize your score in Pac-Man, you want to eat all the ghosts, um, which means that you save the dot. You know, you save the power mm-hmm. dots for uh, what are they? The power pellets, or whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, you save those for when the ghosts are close to you, so you make sure you maximize your opp- opportunity to eat all the ghosts. So you get four four rounds per level of eating all the ghosts, um, and then you uh, try to eat all of the power ups. And I forget there's is there a set high score that you can possibly achieve? Um, I'm sure. Yeah. There's I I forget exactly how it works. The original Pac-Man. Um, I don't know enough about this. This is something we have to kind of go into research uh, mm-hmm. and look up. But there's um. 
there's a way to maximize your scores per level. Yep. Um, there's a way to know, I forget what it is, but there's an algorithm for when the power-ups or for when the bonus fruits show up. Oh, okay. Um, so knowing that means that you know when to like, you know, it's like, I know it's coming. So I'm going to go head over in that direction mm-hmm. if I can, or be ready to collect it. Um, so there are things you can do. Um, I mean, the people who set really high scores are really ridiculously good at yes. that game. Um, and even that is absurd. I mean, the whole culture of it is absurd in my mind. Right. Um, but, you know, moving on from that, like we look at another, you know, we mentioned Super Mario Brothers. It's like, it's absurd that it's the story of this, like, you know, as you put in the notes, a, a, a hyper athletic um, plumber <laughs> who's also sort of overweight, um, who yeah. travels through pipes and, you know, all of this other stuff. Yeah. Uh, and the, the like fire spitting plants. Oh, yes. Yeah. The fire spitting plants. And the, and the, and the goombas like if they're not if those are not references to like psychedelic substances then i don't understand where it came from although there's turtles too yeah it's not i like i think that um i don't know i mean references to psychedelic substances is who knows i mean there are people who probably never have any experience with any of those kinds of illicit substances and still produce incredibly complex strange Oh, like yes you know i mean i would argue you know you look at the stuff that peter draws puts up on his youtube channel it's like i don't you could argue that the guy's like high all the time but i don't know i don't know that he is you know there's no indication that he isn't just a very imaginative like bizarre person yeah bizarre in the most kind like that's a compliment right like not a i feel um, like we're we're describing ourselves a little bit sure bizarre and imaginative yeah right yeah okay here we are um anyway so uh so, you know, we've got um, these sort of classic games that everybody or lots of people grew up with. And mm-hmm. then, you know, younger generations have their games that are, um, you know, coming out now yeah. that are absurd. And it's like, I, I think it's very interesting to me. Like you have these sort of hyper real like war simulation games that are very yeah. popular that are to me like the least interesting because you're yep. not pushing um, oftentimes. I mean they're they're melding into like the sci-fi world and there's you know there's mm-hmm. definitely imagination there i'm not trying to poo-poo them like they're very they have their own place um yeah but for purposes of this purposes of this discussion their absurdism is like i, I want to look at um and discuss like how absurd it is that you have this character this plumber yes and it's so iconic and it's spawned this whole generation of video games and we're still playing super mario brother games yeah um, we're he's still a, like a character in pop culture right it's interesting to 30 me too years it's later. like I, as as my like you know as the 12 year old me playing super mario brothers in the in the video arcade in an arcade cabinet in the back of a you know of a um liquor store yeah down the block from where i lived it's like it's why did i ever think that was cool like it's not this plumber (laughs) it's not cool but everybody was doing it it's like it's not laser guns and robots and ninjas yeah it's a plumber laser tag was really eating mushrooms and yeah around the time speaking of right around the time that he came out (laughs) yeah and so i just find it funny that um that there's this game that it's like Yet it just captured my imagination. Yeah. Wanting to know what was coming, like, you know, seeing for the first time either my friend, like, get to a new level or doing that myself was just really fascinating. Yeah. Um, It was also a time when the internet didn't exist. So I didn't have the ability, like, I couldn't just go watch, like, a YouTube video Mm. of someone else play it and just see the whole game for what it is. Right. 
like my only ability to see the new novel information from the game was to sit there and pump quarters into it or eventually play it on Nintendo. Et yeah. We had, we were uh, behind the curve a little bit with the Nintendo, probably because my parents were smart Yeah, about that. But um, we would always play it when we went to our neighbor's house. And uh-huh. so it was like, ah, we want to come over and play Super Mario. And it's like, please, can we do anything besides that game again? Right. And I'm sure right. it was torture for them because they They'd played already it. Burned through it. And, yeah. yeah. And then we come over and it's like these ham fisted children, uh-huh. like muddling our way through level one dash two sure i mean i had the same experience because i never had a nintendo at home either so it was or or any video game systems i mean strictly speaking i did not i inherited an atari 2600 from my um uncle when before my dad remarried and so that kind of got grandfathered in before there was sort of Mm. a ban on any kind of fun yeah in the house um (coughs) so when uh, when you mentioned um you know people with their super high scores and going to arcades and stuff there's a documentary that is one of my favorite movies called The King of Kong. Yes, that's a fistful it. I, of quarters. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I've read a lot about it. I've been meaning to watch it. It's um, really great. Yeah, it's about yeah, uh, yeah, it's about people who are like perfecting the game of right Donkey Kong. Right, and and, and there's another one, Donkey Kong. It's like you know, so there's a big ape that throws barrels down a set of ramps at a basically a construction zone. Maybe it's kind of like a construction zone. Yeah, yeah. and your job is to climb up there and rescue the woman. Again, I mean, a lot of early video games featured basically your job is to go rescue Rescue a damsel in distress. Right. You know, like a hyper pink dress wearing. um, Weird. And and then it's also like, you know, represented with, you know, eight bits of color and Mm -hmm. and at best 20 pixels or something. You you know what I mean? That's enough to know that she's skinny and blonde. Yes, exactly. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Um, God. Okay. Anyway, so um, speaking of absurdism, right? I mean, that's right. It, yeah. So I tell me about Psychonauts. Um, so Psychonauts is a game that was on PlayStation or PlayStation. That sounds 2. right. No PlayStation. I think, I think the it's PlayStation. One. Yeah, it was a late release for PlayStation. I think. Okay, and so like in 2008, I purchased a copy of it, but it was, and I know this only because I used the money that I got when my grandma died to pay for the PlayStation and that game. Um, uh, because I was like, I'm so depressed. I just want to sit at home and play Psychonauts. So that's what I did. And um, it is about a group of. It was PlayStation Two. My my. Apologies. Oh, okay. Yep. Um, it was about a group of kids who have psychic or telekinetic powers, uh-huh. and they're they go to a summer camp for like special magic kids. Okay. And so all of their teachers or all of their camp counselors at camp have like their own sort of unique set of magic telepathic skills Uh or telekinetic skills. And so you have to basically, the whole thing is set at like a summer camp and you do different activities and you can run around the camp, uh, uh, the campgrounds. And there's like these big bears that will, you'll encounter and you have to defeat them with spells. And it's actually really stressful, even though it's just a children's game. Um, but the graphics are amazing. Like, and the game is just so fun because every time you go to a different, um, camp counselor, you sit down and you like meditate with them and you like travel psychically through these, these obstacle courses and things. And so you're going into your own mind basically, Uh um, or into the mind, the setting where the, the, you know, the camp counselor is like guiding you into this like mental space right. and there's um, baggage. Uh-huh. So as you're moving through these different game levels, mm-hmm. um, 
you have to pick up and develop different skills. And there's also, uh, you have to collect these cobwebs. And when you remove the cobwebs, there's things behind them that you can use in the course of the gameplay. Uh-huh. Like, I can't think of what they are off the top of my head, but they're useful items and things like that. And then there's um, baggage that's, like, crying. And so you hear somebody, like, crying off in the distance. And if you go through each of these levels, obviously you have to, like, beat them to progress in the game. But then uh-huh. you can go back to them anytime and pick up all the stuff that you didn't have the skills to get to at the time that you did the level. Okay, sure. And so when you pick up these bags they're like these crying baggage Uh like sobbing with little faces and stuff and when you get them you like reunite them with their bag tag Uh and then it resolves some sort of like mental baggage issue Uh um and so (laughs) it's everything is like couched in kind of like psychotherapeutic and or psychedelic (laughs) terms Uh um like the baggage and the mental cobwebs and stuff like that so uh it's a really fun game and there's a level with sensors you have to avoid sensors and you're like in the sky so you're on tight ropes and all Uh kinds of like you can't fall there's um one that you ride bubbles interesting and you bounce around a lot Uh um there's one that's like a a war level where it's like uh, like a field of combat, uh-huh. which oh, that one's also like crazy stressful too. Cause you get like shot at and stuff. Um, but I, that's one of the only games that I've ever really been able to spend a lot of time on because I think around the same time that that was popular. Well, no, prior to that being popular, like games like Silent Hill were popular. Yeah. That thing is so scary. I can't it do is, it. It's I was terrifying. Like, yeah. I had to play it with the lights on in uh-huh. daylight and even that wasn't good enough. I was like, I can't, I can't handle this game. Right. So Psychonauts kind of like hit the sweet spot for me of like very imaginative and really fun to look at and also like super fun to play. Yeah, but very hard. Like I found it was very difficult. I never got to the end of the game. But it it kept you coming back. You oh kept my god! Yeah, to, yeah, I love that game. Right, right. I think it's it's left like some of the visual graphics have left like indelible imprints. Oh, there's like a you have to go to the beach and you have to go underwater to get to an island where they have an insane asylum uh-huh. outside of the camp property. It's just great. It's so great. That's oh, cool. That's, that and you really can fun. play, um, like you're this little, you're a little kid. Uh-huh. Um, your character is the little kid, and I can't remember his name, but there's like all that you know. You can run around, and you can buy things from the camp store. There's like a little camp commissary, so you collect, you know, like tokens of some kind, and then you can cash them in for useful items in the game. Is his uh, according to the Wikipedia article, his name is Raz? Yes. Yes. Rasputin. Rasputin. That's yes. cute. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it says uh, he's the son of a family of circus performers. Who yeah. runs away from the circus to become a psychonaut. Great. Despite his father's wishes. Yeah. Very dramatic. That's cool. Um, yeah, I, that's right. And this is kind of, I, I think when I was thinking about um, how absurd video games are, I mean, this is like a perfect example of just how great and absurd things are. Mm-hmm. Um I I really enjoy when there's kind of new novel like gameplay that comes out. Um, you know, Portal was a big one that came out yeah. like more recently. I mean, it's been a couple of years now, but um, I really enjoy uh, I really enjoyed that game for many reasons. I thought the the development the, the production of it was great. Like they you know they'd spent a lot of time like um, really thinking about how to do it, and um, it it just people really fell in love with that game and for good yeah. reason. Like it's I, I love games that push your um 
push the way you think about things. Like they kind of challenge you to think about like, oh, well, you know, yeah. this could work differently. I mean, if you, if we kind of go back and look at um, Super Mario Brothers, it's like everything. I think one of the reasons that game's so popular is that it's so consistent within its own world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, you know, the levels are new when you play a new level, but the gameplay is consistent. And so when you get good at existing in that world, when you're comfortable with, you know, the way that, Mario jumps and the way right. that, you know, things interact with, you know, you, that you can interact with them in that world, then it becomes really fun to explore that world because things are consistent. You're like, yeah. oh, I can, you can intuit like how things are going to work. And I think Portal did a good job of that. They yeah. kind of laid the groundwork of being like, hey, like here's, you know, here's your standard three, you know, first person shooter mm-hmm. interface. And then here's a really interesting like gameplay that they really highlighted. They're like, well, this is how portals work. And then look at all these really fun things that fall out of that. Yeah. And it's just sort of like this emergent gameplay that comes from like the behavior of, um, you know, and for a game where it's like, there's no guns, you're not shooting anything, mm-hmm. you know, you just, and you don't really ever like, you don't get upgrades, you don't get a more powerful gun or whatever. It's just new, interesting novel puzzles to solve. And they tell a really good story with it. So yeah. I really appreciate that. Um, that I, they, so the developers, I think when they were in college, I was one guy or there's a couple developers, uh, the original guys that, that um, Valve hired, uh, they wrote um, a test game beforehand called Nabicular Drop that was really very similar kind of experience. I mean, it's basically a portal game mm-hmm. um, where they, I don't know if they wrote it in their own engine or they, I think they either heavily modified like some existing code or they wrote their own engine for it. Um, I, it's a really good job like they just did a really good job and then to get hired and then to do that i just think that's like a really fucking cool story right there yeah um but the absurdity of it i really enjoy how um they tell the story that it's like even that's absurd like there's just this humor in it that that's really like everybody took to you know they're like oh, so, the cake is a lie i don't know if you've ever played the, the, the cake yeah i know about the joke yeah, but so, i haven't never played the so game the main myself. story i mean there's no spoilers at this i mean these are spoilers heads up if you really if you, you have know, never played portal if you yet. Played portal i do suggest you play it i don't think i'm going to ruin it for you for doing this because it's just been everywhere but the basic principle like the the plot is that you're this test subject mm-hmm. for um for this company that uh uh what what are they called they're called um aperture science uh-huh. right so this company aperture science like they have uh you're a test subject and you are using this new portal gun that they developed right mm-hmm. and so you're you're most of the gameplay happens in and around the lab spaces the test grounds yeah right and so some of the time you're in the test lab like most of the time you're in sort of um from a plot point of view do you know what you look like uh i don't i I think in the game there's enough artwork around the game that you're you're this um you're this woman who has uh i mean i love like the things so you're a human you're a human yeah and you have these um you have these like leg they're like special special shoes they look kind of like um amputees often get these for running and it like makes them like super good at running are you talking about the like the sprung like shoe curve thing yes they have these like um they did this to explain why you can survive ridiculously high falls because a big part of the ah. physics of the game is just being able to fall a really long way and then okay. not die. Right. Um, and the reason, and, and I love their explanation. They're just like, Oh, we have a, there's a product you're wearing. You're wearing these shoes. I think mm-hmm. they maybe talk about it in the game or later on. Like you can even maybe see them. Yeah. Oh, you can see yourself through the portal. Oh. If you set, if you set up the portal, right, you can chase yourself around in a circle. 
it's, it's pretty great. So yeah, like you do actually see like there's no you don't need mirrors. So it's you're like not you really time traveling, but you're bending space time. Yeah, you're bending space time. Like yeah. you're basically you're just connecting you're folding your dimensional folding, right? Like That's you're great. basically saying, okay, this point here in three dimensions and this point here in this third third dimension meet through a fourth dimension that's like yep. that's has no distance. Yes. Right? Got it. Um I love this. Yeah, it's a great it's a really fun game to play. Um but the basic the basic plot line is that you're this test subject and you're testing out the um the portal gun and they have a series of tests that you go through and um it becomes more nefarious as you go along and you're you're kind of at the end it culminates in you fighting against this uh glados the um i forget what that stands for but it's the ai that's like running all the experiments oh and okay. so you spend most of your time in the experimental like uh what I would call like the test chambers, right? They're mm-hmm. like laid out with puzzles and things for you to do. Yeah. So you spend most of your time in there, but occasionally you escape and you're kind of in the like, you know, the the behind the scenes kind of thing where yeah. you're like down in a, like a, you know, janitor's closet or like down in an access way or whatever. I think I, anyway. And so the ultimate end of it is that you, um, the AI is the one that's kind of narrating. So you're often listening to GLaDOS telling you like what your objective is mm-hmm. or like telling you, good job, you survived the next thing or being upset with you because you went off the track or you did this other thing or, um, and then at the end, and she's always kind of promising cake. Like if you do a good job, you're going to get cake. Oh. And so then the very end, um, and so you start to see, there's also like this side narrative of like graffiti and stuff like in the access ways that you get into occasionally or places where like the system's broken down a little bit. You kind of see these messages like and the cake is a lie is like one of the things that kind it's of like comes scrawled up. on a wall. Or scrawled on a wall. Right? Yeah, that kind of thing. Oh, sweet. Um, so we just were gifted some wonderful Frosties from uh, Wendy's. So, yeah, you know, um, take a little um. break. Yeah, <laughs> um, in a minute. So yeah. uh, anyway, so we. Uh, that's where, that's where, uh, portal kind of fits in for me. Like I, yeah. I find it like a really absurd, fun game to play. And, and a lot of the like really absurd ones seem to also be quite popular. I mean, Psychonauts was a very popular game. Um, yeah, I can't remember whose house I was at or where I was when someone showed it to me and I was like, oh, I have to buy a PlayStation two in this game now. This. Yeah. I, I remember, um, I think it was a real narrow period of time that people played that game. Hmm. that it was very popular like when it came out so it came out in 2005 um and i think that people it, it were, was hard to find actually when i looked for it in 2008 oh really yeah to just get a copy yeah, yeah. um and it it so it got uh it got a lot of really good reviews um and i think what happened i i think it was just one of those i I don't know if Psychonaut, I mean, this is kind of a working thought in my head right now. I'm not, this isn't fact or anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of thinking about, um, I kind of wonder if there was a crossover, you know, there was video games kind of pre 2000 video games were around for a while. Like, you know, Wolfenstein came out, people played that for years. Um, you know, doom after that, there were these, like, these were the cool games that yeah. like, everybody was like really into. They were like highly developed. They had a lot of production value. Yeah. Um, they pushed systems for a little bit. Like Half-Life was another one that mm-hmm. like, came, you know, Valve's like early Half-Life, like was a big um, game. Like towards, And I think, um, and then console games. So like Nintendo was around, you know, there wasn't this yearly cycle, right? Like yeah. a game came out and it stuck around for a couple of years. People were into it for a while. 
Right. Um, yes. It was an investment. It was an investment. People kind of played it. But now I think somewhere around after 2001, 2002, I think there was just kind of this changeover where it was like a release cycle where it's like by Christmas, it doesn't matter what was cool last year. Cool things. This is the cool thing now. I'm not saying that games don't buck that trend. Yeah. Um, there are plenty of games that probably still continue to do that. But I think that um, it just seems to me that Psychonauts was one of those games that kind of just was in this like narrow gap. Mm-hmm. Was for play, you know, most people, it looks like it was released for um, really all the platforms, Xbox, PlayStation 2, PlayStation 4 has a port, um, Mac, Linux, Microsoft Windows. Those must be later really? ports. I think when it was originally released, I think it was... Um, PlayStation PlayStation 2. Let's see. So it just says that um, it was initially published for Microsoft Windows, Xbox, PlayStation 2. Hmm. Um, and then later it was released for uh, Mac and Linux. Hmm. Um, so those, I mean, those yeah. have never been big gaming platforms or at least not in the period we're talking about. Anyway, my working th- hypothesis is just this idea that um, somewhere in the 2000s, the the gaming industry blew up and there was more there was just more competition and things that were previously would have been like carrying potential like oh this is a popular game and it's going to stick around just yeah kind of well yeah i mean they could have gone they could have done all kinds of interesting things with this it, like like it was super fun to play it took forever i mean it was oh it took a long time to explore just the like campgrounds where you're supposed to sort of like develop your skills to reach things that are hidden or whatever mm-hmm. and it's just the general like entry level gameplay and then when you went into each of the sort of uh psychedelic settings that in and of itself was a whole other set of tasks and problems and things like that right and so like it i mean you could play it for hours and not get that much farther mm-hmm. um so it was a time investment and i just think like i wonder if they made did they make any sequels or anything because i feel like they could have gotten a lot of mileage out of the the sort of plot because there it was so versatile and so Uh, much fun i'm not sure let's see uh i don't know if they made um i mean the wikipedia article is huge someone 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 loves this game there's quite a few people who are into this game um yeah yeah, so I don't know. Hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's been it's popular enough that it's been ported to PlayStation Three. Wait, uh, yeah, it looks like you can play it on PlayStation Three. Hmm. Um, it's also released as a classic title for PlayStation Four. Um, hmm. oh. oh, here we go. Sequels. Uh, So, according to Wikipedia, um, uh, so Psychonauts 2 is upcoming for release in 2020, um, and then there's something called Psychonauts in the Rhombus of Ruin. Oh, my God. Um, Oh, so it's on playstation 4 microsoft windows for the htc vive see this is how little i know about that was released (laughs) released in 2017 yeah i mean this let's just be clear this is not um if you're a huge fan of video games i hope this is of interest to you but we're definitely not experts in this particular field um 
and you know by all means please like you know <laughs> yell at us our one audience can be outraged that we got anything wrong right. or didn't mention particular games um <gasps> like there's a new game that i recently saw called super liminal and i was uh, watching a couple of playthroughs of that um it's a very like portal-esque kind of vibe it's a first person shooter per se like you don't shoot anything um but it it really pushes the um basically what it does is it like pushes your perception of reality in the um in a virtual environment mm. and so the the main gameplay i would describe like the plot is that you're in a dream sequence and so um it seems to be focused around the concept of scale okay and so you can um you know, like those trick doors where it's like when you're looking down the hallway, it looks like it's way far away. And as you walk up to it, it turns out it's a tiny little door. Oh, yes. Like it's in that, Willy Wonka. Like in Willy Wonka. It's that kind of idea, except that you can pick up an object, say like a chess piece. Mm -hmm. And then if you hold it in the world in the right like if you hold it closer to your face, it looks bigger, right? Yes. And then if you let go of it, it is bigger. Oh, nice. And so you can like grow and shrink things through this like mechanic of um, like basically holding like pushing objects into different perspectives. Yeah. Um, and then they do a little bit of um, when I watched it, they do a little bit of like um, other mechanics where it's like an object, if you place it somewhere and it looks like it's three dimensional and then mm -hmm. you move, it turns out that it's just a tricky painting on the wall. Now. Oh, like it started out as three dimensional, sweet. but then you like walk somewhere and now it's like painted on the wall and you didn't realize like, because it looks that way to you in your, in your two dimensional view of yeah. the port to yeah. this three dimensional world. Um, and so I do, I do enjoy like the absurdity of a game like that. Um, so, uh, and I think there's been a lot of like independent developers who've kind of pushed games like that or tried to get games like that developed and, and put out there. Um, I mean, we could probably spend it like a little research and a little and a long episode discussing just all the yeah. like, ridiculous shit that's been published in the last like 10 years. Um, but uh, just to kind of keep it on topic. Um, so what, so Psychonauts is like a big one for you. Did you yeah. play other games when you were younger? I, I'm like, just curious. We played, we like, we played all so. of the Nintendos. Right. So we at had other friends house. We had the, ba well, we eventually got our own Nintendo and then we got a super Nintendo. Oh, nice. Yeah. And so, um, like I loved all of the Zelda games. <sighs> My very favorites. Yes, me too. Um, I loved the Zelda for super Nintendo. Oh yes. And it's the only one that I ever got all of the things that you could possibly get in the whole game. Oh, cool. Um, and uh oh my god i love the secret of mana and the final fantasy games mm -hmm. sure i like the big epic games where you're like exploring a world or like um traveling between worlds or whatever so that like just getting around is part of the gameplay mm -hmm. yeah i like that a lot i like being able to switch players so like multiplayer games like secret of mana you could be any one of the team of four people and then mm -hmm. um they all had like special skills i think that's what i liked about super mario 2 also which was yes. the weird one that that's didn't the, fit with the rest of right. their game sort it's of like its flavor. style is like very grossly the same like it's still a platformer um but all of a sudden you have these like four different characters it's all in like weird sepia tones it's super great you I, get to play the favorite. princess there's yep. like these weird animals that shoot eggs out of their mouths and you can ride the eggs through yeah. the air yeah very weird yeah and like you have to dig a lot yep and pull up turnips yep it, like it's just so inconsistent like right right I, it's weird so 
It's great. It's my favorite one. It it's is my, my favorite, favorite Mario. One. I think I think the reason I think if you just had the original one and Super Mario Brothers 2, then it wouldn't seem so strange because it's like, oh, let's take this idea and go forward. So now instead of like smashing blocks above you, you're you're able to do things below you. You yeah. pull things up. Um, let's get even more into your ability to like control the way you jump and there's different. So every character jumped differently and had different mm. strengths or weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Toad wasn't a strong jumper, but he could pull things faster. Right. You know, and the princess could float. Yep. She could float. Which she could was hover like, a little bit. For someone like me, like I just don't have a lot of dexterity the way other people do in my hands. And mm-hmm. so for me, I was like, she was a godsend. I was like, oh, now I don't have to, I, I'm not good at timing jumps the way other people were. Yeah. And so now I can actually be successful at this game because I have more control over. That's cool. Yeah. So she was like a big deal. I um, like, I liked in that one how the, um, you weren't just defeating like Koopas over and over again in the yeah. end bosses. Like there was a, I think world number five had like a big fireball with a like robber mask. Yeah. As like the bizarre. big boss. Yep. Um, there were like really weird big bosses. Uh, but I like that. I don't know. It just seemed like it almost seemed like the gr- the group of people that worked on Mario one were like the A squad. The group of people who worked on Mario two were like the B squad, not in terms of them not being as like proficient. They were just like, oh, where'd you get these guys from? Mm-hmm. Um, and then like in Super Mario three and then into Super Nintendo and beyond, like they kind of got back to the whole feel of game number one so i don't know if it didn't like test as well or if people just didn't like it the reason i liked it was because i thought it was a little creepy compared to the first yes one. yeah it, it had like a weird creepy feeling for me i don't it, know why it did it i know what you mean it had this sort of like i think the color scheme and the fact that like the little koopas wore face masks have you ever seen it's very weird have you ever seen um wizard of oz 2 the movie yeah Yes, Tim Burton. Yeah, it's so Super Mario Brothers 2 and that movie have a similar vibe in my mind, like the way that they make me feel. So like it's, you know, how absurd Wizard of Oz 2 is compared to the original, right? Yeah. Partly um, it's scarier. It's darker. Um, I don't know that Super Mario 2 is necessarily a lot scarier or darker. Um, It's definitely every level is way more novel than the original one. Yes. Um, it's also, uh, yeah, there's something dreamlike about the It's very style. trippy. Yeah. I mean, even more so than the first one. It has. Which is know, bizarre. It also trippy. has a weird, like, uncanniness to it that's not the kind of uncanny I would talk about, like, in the term of, like, you know, popular um, discussions now about, mm-hmm. like, uncanny valley of, like, things that are too close to human. Yeah. Like, it's not... Maybe that's the same feeling. I don't know. But it does. I would think of it being uncanny a little bit. Yeah. It's like, which I enjoy. Like, I enjoy that. There's other things that are uncanny I don't enjoy. Like, you know, weird robots that are trying to be, do facial expressions. I'm like, "Mm, Mm. it's interesting, but it's gross. Yeah. You know, plastic dolls that move around are kind of weird. Yeah. Um, You know, if they were real and had real feelings and whatever, then I don't care. They can be uncanny humans if they have their own autonomy. But if they're Mm -hmm. just like a facsimile of someone that has no real existence like you know it's just an animated object that's Ugh. like whereas like puppets or something but then at the same time it's like you look at like jim henson and it's like it's all like this puppetry and stuff but they're more directly manipulated by humans and so they they're this weird extension of i don't know people I, anyway now i'm down now a rabbit, hole, down a rabbit hole of muppetry yeah like I, i'm not I, I i'm not i haven't Muppet. done a lot of research to really back that up i'm just sort of 
speculating. Uh, there, I, uh, I'll go with you on this one. Yeah. There is something less creepy to me about Muppets, even when they're humanoid Muppets yes. controlled by people. Yes. Then there is about like something that is uh, evidently autonomous. Right. But is like, I think the thing that's so disarming about like the Muppets or other things that are obviously imitating a person or whatever, but not is that they are, they take aspects and simplify them and Mm -hmm. blow them up. So like you have large eyes and like the skin tone is completely the same and it's fuzzy felty and the hair is the same. And you can tell that it's supposed, you can, you can identify with the aspects of the character, but none of them are realistic. Right. I think there's also something about puppetry where um, there's an acknowledgement of the silliness of it. Mm-hmm. It's playful. People are being playful. Like, you know, yeah. my very favorite thing about any kind of Muppets or Sesame Street like related is when the Muppets are like those puppets are being ridiculous. Like look at Animal from mm-hmm. the Muppets. Like he's a ridiculous ridiculous character who spazzes out and flings about and it's super entertaining and cute and funny yeah and Um, disarming and disarming right because they're like this isn't real we all get it look how ridiculously not real this is yeah and yet it's representative and now we can tell the story and like it's a real character and you fall in love with the character and you you know you identify and relate to what they're discussing right Um, but um, uncanny valley just like it's real uncomfortable it feels like there's a lie it feels like someone's lying to you yes yeah yeah um yes exactly so uh let's go to um so what do you want to i so we're at 40 minutes right now yeah um i counted 36 okay yeah yeah probably because there's probably two minutes of stuff we could delete off the front should we leave it at a half hour um we can i don't know uh I feel like we need to wrap up somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so we have our ending. Uh, we have the, like a segment to do. Oh, right. And that looks like. Um, so how do we want to, how do you want to do that? Like, do you want to just be like, okay, we're going to, do we talk, do we, Put it out there and then talk about it for a few minutes. Like it's a topic starter for the end of the episode. Oh, got you. So, hey, we're going to do the closing segment, which is tips for living well in hell. And here's the one for today. And then oh. you and I can talk about it for a minute and then just be like, hey, thanks so much for listening. And you know, yeah. again, please, please be outraged and upset about whatever it is you're outraged and upset about and tell us all about it because I got nothing better to do with my life than get trolled on the Internet. Right. Please attack me. Please attack me. <laughs> Please just attack me for nothing. Right. Um, so, yeah, I uh, I just wanted to share something that I think about a lot. Um, and part of why we love absurdity so much yeah. is because it's a coping mechanism for dealing with very upsetting things on a daily basis. Right, right. Uh, and so I have a list of... Um, notes that I've written to myself over time as tips for surviving being alive, basically tips to living well in hell. Right. Yeah. Um, and so 
uh, that's going to spiral into a much larger project at some point. But for now, I just wanted to share one at the end of every one of our podcasts. Yeah, I like that. Um, And so the one that I usually, these are kind of maxims that I live by also, like a, a, a not well thought out personal philosophy. We'll put it that way. Right. Um, so my favorite one is that no act of creation is ever too small. Yeah, that's a very good one. Um, so when things are frustrating um, or if things entrenched problems seem absolutely hopeless and uh, solving them is out of the question, which it seems like a lot of the time, it may be the case. Yeah. In it the long run. Very factual and maybe, true. Maybe true. Right. Um, making something or doing something small just kind of like as a fuck you to the entropy in the universe is one of my favorite things. It's why I keep a garden. Yep. Even if I kill half the things that have ever lived in my garden, the ones that stay alive are like a fuck you to the entropy and to the, to the abyss. Right. And so I leave you with that. No act of creation is ever too small. I really, I really appreciate that one. Um, I think it's, that kind of makes me think about like how to be more, um, like practice some like mindfulness of yourself and like mm-hmm. in the sense of being like, Hey, you know, what, what do you have room for creation in your life? Like what can you create right now? Like if it's literally just like a doodle on the edge of your paper or. Yeah. You know, anything. Yeah. Really anything. No, um, just anything that wasn't there before you showed up. Right. Yeah. No, it's pretty cool. Um, I like, uh, I was really frustrated in high school for who knows what, right? Cause it was fucking high school. Yeah. And for I, every, everything. I just had a washout of a day. And uh-huh. so I made a little Mobius strip and I gave it to my English teacher. And I was like, here, what did you do today? He's like, I don't know. I taught class and stuff. I was like, I created some infinity. <laughs> there you go. That's pretty awesome. And I felt a lot better because infinity is pretty big. Yeah. It is pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> and I just kind of did it as an afterthought. So it right? wasn't such a bad day after all. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I do. I, yeah. That's funny how to, I, I think, man, there's so many, you know, even the smallest act of creation, um, is such a great way to connect with people. Um, mm-hmm. or it can be, it's kind of a wonderful thing to connect over. I mean, even if you're literally just like, um, you know, sitting there waiting for tea to, you know, for the water to boil so that you can make two cups of tea and you're just like, you know, or your own cup of tea. But if you're with somebody, it's like, you know, Hey, let's have some tea together or whatever. Yeah. I love Um, tea. Yeah, I I do too. Um, I like the, I I like the, uh, the ritual of it more than I, I I enjoy tea sometimes more than I just, but for me, it's like a big part of like the ritual of it is what I really enjoy. Like sharing tea with somebody else. We should do an episode on rituals. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I'm going to add that. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, so I think we've kind of reached the end of our rambly podcast. Yeah. Um, I do think we just want to acknowledge anybody who's listening which i'm at this point i'm pretty convinced we just have the one so we have our audience um but if that's you we really are very grateful that you're even interested and you've made it this far Uh, (laughs) which is great uh and you know and we're definitely uh you know want to try and keep it interactive so we do have um i'm not going to like get too into the plugs like we have a twitter and a um instagram which you can look up on our website fcbm.io um, and you know, we're not, I, I don't know how, as this evolves and we'll probably get a little tighter about these things, but, yeah. um, thanks for bearing with us and, uh, we will, uh, we won't see you, but we'll, uh, hopefully hear from you or read from you at some yeah. point. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Okay.